Hello everyone and welcome to a new edition of Thinking Aloud about film. I'm Jose. I'm Richard. And today we're continuing to explore the Golden Horse winners and we are looking at Lee Sing's He Never Gives Up. We've already talked about a previous uh, Lee Sing film, Good Morning Taipei, and He Never Gives Up is part of a run of three films that won the Best Film Award at the Golden Horse uh, Festival. So, Richard, what did you think? One of the things I said last time is we hadn't yet done any healthy realist films featuring tractors and ducklings. And, and we, I think you know, now we have, this very much feels like a healthy realism film. It's this, this kind of morally uplifting lesson set largely in an agricultural context. It's based on a true story about a guy called Zhang Fengxi, who lived from 1944 to 75 who was born with what we'd now term as, as limb difference, so with, with both of his legs below the knee are kind of curved out, so he has no no use of his legs, has to uh, crawl around on, on his knees for the whole of his childhood. And it's really the story of his his life, kind of growing up in that condition, how he overcomes that. He goes to college, he marries, he writes his autobiography, but then unfortunately he becomes terminally ill and dies. It's very sad. This film really got my heckles up. It makes me understand why the new wave of Taiwanese cinema made such an impact because they are responding to this type of uh, healthy, in quotation marks, realism, which is not realistic at all. What I liked best were were the, the first uh, scenes of the film. I love the melodrama of the beginning where, you know, he's born. His mother says, drown him, but, you know, I think the grandfather decides not to, and he goes off with an uncle selling things kind of village to village to village. And I thought those scenes were really great. They were melodrama, but they were exciting to watch, and you got the feeling that there might be a picaresque element to how this child develops yeah in this atmosphere yeah i love those childhood scenes as well and and i I, there was also an amazing scene for my favorite scene in the film where he's looking after some ducklings and and, and he's he's, his older brother becomes ill so he's left on his own with these ducklings and then there's a big storm and this is this incredible scene where this young child playing the the disabled character and all these ducklings are in this shed which which becomes flooded and starts collapsing around them and he, he sort of finally gets rescued by his father um it, it's, it's a spectacular scene and really 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 well executed when he then grows up he's been fitted with prosthetic legs by this point goes to college gets a girlfriend and so on it's much less realistic it's very studio bound it's really what happens isn't that interesting what i would say about the realism of those childhood scenes there's very little about this online but i, I found a reference in a, a, a book which i said you'll link to which talks about the his autobiography, which is called, the, the book is called A Raft in the Storm that he wrote, which I guess is why that scene with the flood is so important in the film. It mentions that he lived from 1944 to 75, so we know the timescale of what's going on. But it says he traces his struggle with disabilities, and quoting what the book says, exhibited as a child freak with deformed legs in a travelling troupe, he manages to graduate from college, marries, and is elected one of the top ten outstanding youths. So that sequence of him, as we're told in the film, traveling from village to village with his uncle, selling things and playing a drum, actually 
from the sound of it, what was actually happening was he's, he was being exhibited in a, in a sideshow. So the film is giving us, despite the apparent realism, it's giving us quite a sanitised version of what was actually going on. Yeah, one can feel that without yeah. knowing it. Um, what I liked best about the film was the family dynamics. Yeah, the rejection of the child, the sending him off to an uncle, the child being left alone and being returned to a family that doesn't want him. You know, those things are all suggested, but not dramatically explored. Um, I saw that um, the screenwriter for this film, Chang Yang Xiang, uh, won the award for best screenplay. And I think it's an awful screenplay. I can't see how he gets from that early childhood stuff where, you know, the mother's suggesting he should be smothered at birth. And then he gets sent, even if you just assume he's sent off traveling with the uncle to sell things rather than being exhibited in a circus. It's a pretty awful thing to do to the child. How do they get from that to then a couple of years later, he's got this loving, supportive family unit and he's in mainstream school and then he goes to college. It doesn't, I mean, clearly that's what happened. It's a true story, but we're not, given any information about how that dynamic changes and why, you know, at, at the end, he's very, you know, clearly he's surrounded by this happily, happy family unit. There's this amazing scene towards the end where he gets, he's just been given the award for top 10 best young person in Taiwan. And he's having this dinner with his parents to celebrate. And his mother says, oh, and to think we nearly smothered you at birth. I know. So, you know what a time to mention that. Uh, to me, the film is what I actually associate with communist ideology. You're introduced to the family members and it's brother number five, brother number four, brother number three. So there's a kind of a, an anonymization of the individual to the collective, except in relation to himself. And then in relation to himself, there is just this falsity, you know, this horrible ideology that kind of is function is to help you ignore the real conditions of existence, which is, you know, that he's, his limbs don't work, uh, you know, that he's abandoned by his family, that they want to drown him, you know, that he's either exhibited or forced to work as a child, yeah, to kind of just get by, that disabled people, you know, have no place in that culture. The lesson of the film is, if you get knocked down, get up again. You know, if you have misfortune, it's a sign for greater fortune to come. You know, you get kind of one platitude after yeah, another, yeah. right? In a way that I despised. When you look at sort of narratives about disability, because I think it's quite interesting to look at this in, in the context of things like, I don't know, My Left Foot, or um, there's a, a, there was a, a British TV film called On Giant's Shoulders, which actually was the same year as this, which was about a a child whose mother had taken thalidomide and had disabilities as a result of that and his, his, his upbringing with, with foster parents. Um, and a, a lot of these share a similar narrative to this regardless of where they come from, that, that, that you know, the, the disabled person either has to be, you know, a victim or a monster or this inspirational figure. And what we have here is this kind of inspirational figure. What I, what I kind of liked about this is that he's just shown, he's not shown being, you know, having superhuman achievements. He's just shown... The stuff he can do when he's at college is, you know, he can pass exams, he can ride a bike, he can get a girlfriend, he can cook, he can do this, that, and the other. And it's it's not, it's just showing that actually with disabilities you can, and with the right support, you can go and have to have a perfectly 
ordinary life and do and do this stuff but i just don't see how we got there if there was a narrative in the film about you know how his family realized his potential how they helped him realize his potential and how he helped them understand his condition but we're not shown any of that it just sort of it just happens it's very odd i like inspiring stories i think we need inspiring stories we need hope you know but i actually don't think that you inspire uh or uh ignite hopefulness by lying about the challenges uh, presented right or about the pain suffered or indeed about what must be overcome and how to overcome it the film shows situations which it glosses over right but which actually i think for me the treatment of those the rejection of the family you know the walking back home to a family that might reject you the 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 having to walk to school you know for all those miles dramatizing that showing the challenges of that uh, are absolutely crucial to kind of inspiring or creating hope and like you said all you see is that they're just instantly overcome right yeah like the, the stuff with his um girlfriend's parents yeah so when they find out she's going out with a, a, a disabled guy they they do their best to break it up they're trying to forbid her to get married they try and hide her away with the cousin um but then at the end he's thanking them in his acceptance speech for being so supportive and they yeah. weren't supportive they were no. awful people when you're not making me watch Taiwanese healthy realism, plowing plow my way through a 93 disc box set of, of this this 1970s soap opera Crossroads, and this which has a disabled character played by a guy called Roger Tong, who was disabled in real life, and I'm just watching episodes of that from 1978, which actually has exactly the same plot because he's just got engaged to a, a, a girl, and her parents arrive and they object, and actually I I think. Crossroads is dealing with this plot in a much more <laughs> realistic way than, than he never gives up did. And uh, but but on the you know on the other hand it's like well what's the point of this film? Is is it bad that there's a, as you said you like inspirational stories? Is it bad that this is giving even though it's a slightly fake narrative, it's giving this slightly glossed over message about what his life was like? I mean you could say the yes. same about my left foot. I think, which, uh, uh, no, I think you can say the same about my left foot, and I really. Like I said, I got my heckles up. I really hate, hate it, right? And I really hate it because it's so false, right? And yeah, like the falsity of it uh, uh, to me is a real barrier. Like, you know, you get knocked down, get up again, right? It, it puts all the onus on the individual, whereas what it should be saying is, you know, we need more limbs to help people walk. You know, we need greater facilities we need wheelchair access. I don't know. You know, we need structures to help these people. You know, what the film does is it says, if you're strong enough, if you work hard, if you have determination, you can beat anything. And actually, no, you can't. You know, and I actually think that this fits in with, you know, kinds of disability discourse at the moment, right? that it's all right to cut funding for everybody, right? Because kind of nobody needs support, it's all on you. You know, it's all kind of left up to the individual kind of will, work, determination, hard work, right? And to me, that does feel like a, a kind of, you know, an ideological mantra, which, you know, both Trump and the Communist Party and clearly Taiwanese society in the 70s shared. Despite the fact we're told this is a true narrative, it really, 
feel there's false. a lot of things about it that just don't make sense. And as you say, they do feel false. I mean, you know, clearly this guy existed. He wrote his autobiography. He um, he was dead by the time the film came out. He seems to be the the publication date of the book mentioned in the, the excerpt I, I quoted earlier was 1976, which was the year after his death. Although the film shows the book being published and successful when he's alive, although it's kind of privately published, so maybe the commercial publication was after he died. Um, but but yeah, it, it feels like there's a there's a big gap missing, and he, he the book was according again according to this excerpt. Um, the book was required reading in Taiwan schools, so clearly it was seized upon by the government and used as an inspirational narrative, and that's why the film was made. And, and it may, you know, who, who knows whether the story as told in the book after he died reflected what really happened. I mean, I'm sure his relationship with his family who sent him off to be in a circus wasn't quite as cosy as it <laughs> seems to be in the film. <laughs> well, I mean, it's clearly um, a landmark film uh, in uh, some way, I mean, it's clearly part of why it's been chosen, you know, as part of this Golden Horse retrospective, and it's clearly also uh, part of the reason why it, I'm sure it won uh, the award for best film uh, has to do with, you know, the ways that it's connecting or responding to Taiwanese uh, culture uh, at the moment. But I think it doesn't give us... Um, it doesn't give us a picture of a human being. You know, this child must have been scared, must have been lonely, must have been suffering. What the first day at school must have been like, you know, for someone with uh, no use of their legs. There's a whole range of human emotions that this film doesn't touch upon. This film is only about acceptance and overcoming. Yeah. Right? And, I, and I think if, if, you, if you think about how, in, in the context of the New Time and Cinema, how this might have been approached by Ho Shao Shen or Wei Yang or any of those directors, um, I, firstly, I think they probably would have focused on the childhood, mm. um, and and I think they would have focused on on those emotions and the fear and so on, as you see in you know things like you know summer at grandpa's and and, and those kinds and growing up and those those kinds of films that that really do focus on on that experience of childhood. I, I think one of the things that I really also dislike very much about the film is you know the way that it starts with drown him. And then that's it. So then the family, you know, is like uh, this supportive unit, right? That, uh, you know, uh, they share meals, they're all kind of integrated. The, the, the film has a real pro-family stance, right? It's like kind of, you know, marriage and having children are the apex of life, you know, and the route to kind of integrating kind of this larger family. And yet you think, you know, this child was almost killed by his family, was exiled by his family, you know, like, I mean, he's pretty much left to drown twice in the film, right? Uh, you know, in one instance, because he has no family. It's the, the film makes nothing of that or has no critique. I mean, I also wouldn't mind if the film kind of came to show, you know, how uh, in spite of the family being oppressive and restricting, uh, uh, it, it, you know, it all can also offer security or something, but actually, you're also not shown that. No, no, and you, as I say, this is the whole fundamental problem with the narrative is, as you say, you get all these things about how the child is nearly killed and is an exile, and then suddenly he's part of the family, and it makes no sense. No sense at all. Yeah. Um, the something that, that that is interesting though, if, if you think about where this sits in terms of um, 
of Taiwanese cinema and the, yeah, the, this kind of transition from healthy realism to new Taiwan cinema. So obviously we, we had the film we talked about last time, which a couple of weeks ago, Good Morning Taipei, directed by Li Sing and, and written by Ho Shen. The cinematographer on this film was Kun Hu Chen, who collaborated with Ho Shen on those six Kenny B films. So ah, lovely. Three of them were directed by Ho Shen and three were directed by Kun Hu Chen. Um, Kun Hu Chen directed Growing Up, which we talked about um, a couple of years ago, and he also directed um, Out of the Blue, which is the next film we're going to talk about, which was also co-written by Ho Shao Shen, um, and was also cinematographer on Boys from Feng Kui and a bunch of other Ho Shao Shen films. So it's kind of this idea that there was the healthy realist filmmakers, and then there was the new time and cinema filmmakers. I mean, that is true, but these people were one kind of an amorphous block of people and they sort of bleed in and out of each other's filmographies in a way that's actually quite interesting so that you can see you know i think the childhood scenes in this film are a cut above the adult scenes in this film and you can see those childhood scenes fitting into a ho shashan early ho shashan film i think in a way it's kind of like the you know the new time and cinema filmmakers perhaps learned their trade making these films and that's why yeah. they were able to then make technically proficient films later so what I liked about this film, aside from the early scenes, was the way that it looks and its use of cinematic space. You know, kind of the film is always interesting visually, right? And kind of, you know, I'm very admiring of the way that it breaks up the frame, that it has one action in one scene and another in another. It's clearly like a filmmaker uh, with an eye for the use of cinematic space uh, who is making the film. What I decry is um, the way that it dramatizes them and it does so in the light of social ideals rather than concrete, real problems faced by individuals and it ignores those. And then it also raises the question of what is possible, what is the limits on freedom of expression in Taiwan in the 70s? Not maybe in the culture as a whole, you know, but in the film industry, yeah, with its attempts at uh, reaching wide audiences, I believe with, with government funding, right, which sets its own kind of restrictions. And actually, that's kind of an area that I'd like to know more about, yeah, kind of what are the limits on expression placed by these structures? Yeah, it, it, particularly if it, if it is the case that this book was required reading in Taiwan schools um, and you're you're basically making a film based on a book which is required reading in Taiwan schools then there are probably going to be restrictions in how you can um, express yourself and the, the, this probably is you know a, a film with um, a certain degree of um, you know official backing behind it but which brings with it restrictions on on, on how you can express yourself mm. um, so, oh well, uh, I'm I'm still glad I saw it. I, I'm I'm very glad I saw it. I I think I, I I actually you know to to an extent I was kind of despite my problems with the film I was gripped by the by the narrative until and I'm just going to go on to one other thing that I really disliked about the film which was the last I don't I don't know how long it was it felt like about three hours but it's probably only about twenty minutes because he gets his award and that feel and there's the big family dinner after he gets the award. And that feels like the end of the film. Mm. But then he suddenly finds he's got terminal cancer. Mm. And it then goes on forever with him slowly 
expiring. And it's very, it's very tragic, and this happens to be going in real life. But you just get these endless scenes of him lying in bed, doling out inspirational aphorisms to visiting family members and parades of school children that are outside yeah. the house and so on and so on. And you just think, oh, come on. It, it just really, really was winding me up by that point. Me too. Uh, I, it felt, so when he says to his wife, be a filial daughter to my parents. You think, no, stick voodoo dolls, stick pins on yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I mean... <laughs> I, exactly, I kind of, exactly. Yeah. But he was... Uh, um, Keep yeah. them away from my children or something, right? Like it's yeah, kind of, yeah, exactly. Well, these were, you know, awful people. So certainly at the start of the film, they're awful people. We don't learn how they, if or how they stopped being awful people. You know, maybe they did, maybe they didn't. Who knows what it was like in real life? I mean, I suspect there's an element of saying, you know, the family unit is very important. So we've got to promote the family unit in this film. Um, Again, the other thing that really bothered me about the end was you know, those huge large-scale scenes with thousands of extras where he's getting some government award or something, right? Mm. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You know, and you think, like, again, you know, it, it really did feel like something that I associate with communist regimes, with dictatorial regimes, right? Those masses of uh, thousands of people, those large-scale kind of social celebrations, you know, those awarding of individuals, but for citizenship, yeah. that their achievement is to live up to a certain ideal of what being a good citizen is that actually places all of the problems of society on that individual. Yeah, yeah. I so, I, I mean, this you know, this is not a communist regime, but it was a regime that was under martial law until sure. 1987. So the, the book I was quoting from that gave the details of his, his lifespan and, and a bit about the book, it's called Diaspora Literature and Visual Culture, Asia in Flight by Sheng Mei Ma in the 2010 book. So that, that's the only um, link I've been able to find that really gives any information about, about this guy. But clearly, in the 70s in, in Taiwan, this was, a, this was a big deal. So I think we've probably not sold this film to anybody. But actually, I would say if you're interested in the development of Taiwanese cinema and how healthy realism bled into new Taiwan cinema, it's very interesting. If you're interested in the representation of disability on screen, I think it's very interesting, but it's problematic in a whole bunch of ways. And just to uh, reiterate, or state for the first time, more like actually, our job is not to sell, but to explore. So. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I, I think, you know, I, yeah, if I watch this film in isolation, it's like, why, why am I watching this? But watching it as a series of six, six films that are kind of moving from you know, healthy realism to new time in cinema, but with a kind of blend of the same filmmakers involved in all of these, is a very interesting experience. Mm. So we do recommend that you explore, and, and certainly we're very grateful to, to be seeing kind of this range of films. Thank you very much for listening. We're thinking aloud about film. I'm Jose. I'm Richard. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.